You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. I'm JR. Hello, I'm Elton Town and Jones. Hi, I'm Elton Town and Jones as well. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm Paul Ebbs. Sorry, sorry, Paul Ebbs. It's, it's just my ambition and it came out and I'm really sorry. For a minute, I thought you were Matt Barber, who's been introducing himself as Elton ever since Elton was on. <laughs> Has he? <laughs> well, he thinks you're more popular than he is, so he wants to be more popular, so he pretends to be you. I love Matt Barber. I've never met him. I've never spoken to him, but I love him, and that's fantastic. Ah, uh, well, if you met him, you spoke to him, you wouldn't love him quite so much. So best if oh, you do keep that knowing. distance. <laughs> Doctor Who fans, I don't like them. <laughs> Guys, Ugh. it was about a month ago, I reckon, or so, since you were last on, and pretty much immediately we finished recording, we said, let's do this again. So here we are. But in that in that month, you both came on and talked about your books. How have your books been doing, Elton? How's yours been doing? Yeah, Oblique Strategies uh, keeps on moving, muddling along. Um, I actually spotted a mistake in it the other day, which uh, crushed me <laughs> in ways yeah. you cannot believe. But we've yeah, rectified it. Why did you it. leave my stuff in it? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was we, we pretended to that we, we did one copy with your stuff in paul that you got and everybody else got the one with my stuff replacing it but um <laughs> <laughs> seriously that's it's been going great i i've moved on now so i'm, I'm currently working on the show i mentioned yeah last time jr uh, orlando which premieres at edinburgh um between the 2nd and 27th of august this year um so yeah do go along if you like the idea of a um a non-gender specific regenerating character who has amazing adventures through british history <laughs> sounds familiar and actually <laughs> yeah you were talking about the time machine too and that's still weaving its way around the country as well isn't it yeah it's, this is one of those uh, have the, occasionally these really amazing i can't believe it days where i have two shows on in in two different places uh, today i think the time machine's on in inverness and my Jane Eyre is on in Abertillery. Um, wow. So, yeah, but they're, they're both touring at the minute. And um, we gradually wind those up and get into Orlando fairly soon. But um, they'll be back on the road again in the autumn. So, yeah. Just for anybody up. who might have heard it before, might not have realised that, that they were still on the road and might still want to go. Is there somewhere on Facebook or somewhere on the Internet where they can there go and look and see? Yeah, thanks for that, JR. There's um, basically, I, we've got a website, um, me and my business partner and uh, amazing all round brilliant performer, Rebecca Vaughan. We have a website called Dyad Productions. Which is D-Y-A-D. 
D-Y-A-D, yeah, www.dyadproductions.com. <laughs> so anybody who might still be interested to see the time machine that we talked about before or anything else you might have anybody go to that website and see what might be around yeah uh, loads of shows loads hurry of shows up and do it yeah and paul how, how was your book going uh, uh tommy's top 10 is uh still still available um still really uh, okay for people to buy um it's going okay i mean we've, we've been getting some um uh, noises back people seem to enjoy it hasn't sold as many as i want it to sell because obviously i wanted to raise as much money for yeah. tommy yeah. as possible but we've you know we've made a good few hundred quid for for the cause so i'm i'm quite happy with that um and i'd like people to buy it again and more <laughs> yeah fair that enough. would be good absolutely and so where can people find that uh, well, the, the 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 links are up on uh, We Are Cult and on Starburst. If they if they do a search for um, Tommy's top ten, um, the links should come up. We don't have a dedicated web page, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, uh, the links are are out there. Um, I should have set up a Facebook page. That would have been a good idea, but I didn't. Um, uh, oh, but, uh, but yes, it's 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 still available. It's it's going it's going okay. Um, I'm like uh, Elton. I'm back back on the day job now so i'm down the writing mine writing two books at the moment so ghosting two uh, novels for various people in america um uh, which is kind of fun uh, a post-apocalyptic um science fiction trilogy uh, that will be coming out later next year and uh, a hip-hop thriller um yeah i'm a 52 year old bloke from um, from essex uh, writing a, a new york gangster hip-hop thriller for a publisher in the united states like you do well they Man. wouldn't have asked you to do it if they didn't think you were incapable i, I think I, I think i was i think i was the last guy out the door when they asked for volunteers oh fair enough <laughs> <laughs> right in preface to what we're going to be talking about today last time when we got together we talked about various things but one theme that came up two or three times during the episode was and i think this was really more Elton that I noticed it on, but it came up. And every now and again, Elton would say, I think one of them may have been Kinder. And one of them was the Stephen Moffat era, sort of in general. <laughs> Things that you hadn't liked as much when they were on, but that you'd yeah. revisited and that you'd sort of changed your opinion on. And after, I, after I'd mixed it and was listening back, it just struck me, say, you know what? That's a really good subject for an episode of the podcast. And as, like I say, we talked about the fact that you two would come back on and it just seemed fitting that it should be you two who do the subject. And a little bit of inside <laughs> baseball. I'll be doing the subject again with the regular Blue Box team at some point a few weeks down the line. But for today, then, what we're going to do is you two have each chosen, well, five. We'll see how we get through them in the time. Five stories that you either liked when you first saw them or didn't like when you first saw them and that you've come back to later and changed your opinions on. We're so fickle. Well, but it's just standard, really. I think I think I'll put this out at the start. I think one of the things that you do with Doctor Who is that because you're a fan and you read about it and you think about it and you talk to people about it on the internet before some, and this is something that we've been doing even since before the internet, really, you know, in pubs or with kids in the playground, I suppose you kind of before an episode comes on, have expectations about what it's going to be like. And sometimes yeah. 
it fulfills those expectations. Sometimes it fulfills those expectations and then some and surprises you in a positive way. And sometimes it's so wildly different from what you expected. And I think especially these days, it's easy to react negatively against stories where they're not what you wanted them to be, as it were. So I think it's easy to have a reaction to something the first time you see it that might vary, not necessarily greatly, but but in revisiting that story, you might think, oh, right, now that I know what it is, I can appreciate it for what it is, rather than looking for it to be something that it isn't necessarily ever going to be. I agree, yeah. You meet it, it on its own terms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I just, since I've been writing the reviews, I, this is something I have to do, basically. I have to clear my head before an episode comes on, watch it purely on its own merits, and then talk about it afterwards and write a review about it afterwards on what it was, rather than what I might ever have expected it to be. But we should get into it, because otherwise we aren't going to get through these stories in the time. So, Elton, I'm going to come to you first, and I'd like okay. you to name a story that you either disliked or liked when you first saw it, and that your opinion has changed somewhat upon afterwards. And what's your first choice going to be, Elton? Well, let's open up with The Hungry Earth, Cold Blood. Um, yeah, I remember but... watching that. I, I mean, I, I was very, very excited for, um, for quite a while about the um, Matt Smith sort of um, the, the way his first season opened. It was very exciting, very thrilling. Mm. Um, and, and then we sort of hit the hungry, the, um, the hungry earth and cold blood. And, and I just felt things kind of fell flat at that point at the time. Um, I, I thought the story was pretty pedestrian and straightforward you know the quipping I always moan about and complain about that that started to really set in at this point I felt and and I I always remember that sequence where Amy is invited as the spokesperson of the humans yeah. to meet with the Silurians and she sits there looking utterly and completely bored <laughs> and and I felt so frustrated and annoyed by that because that, to me, didn't seem at the time to be the Amy we'd been introduced to. Now, obviously, this story was written by Chris Chibnall, um, who people have mixed views about. I'm not particularly um, down on Torchwood. I, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. But, um, th you know, that's for another podcast. Mm. But basically, I, I, I did just feel that the whole story was a bit grey, a bit flat, a bit, a bit fillerish. But... Um, you know, I, I remember I even wrote a, a very lengthy review about it at the time. But um, I recently did a massive um, Moffat period rewatch and um, I, I could not believe how exciting I found this story. It actually <laughs> gave me a sort of invigorating sort of hope for the Chibnall years. Um it struck me, I, well, I, I basically, you know, very quickly, I came away from it thinking it was incredibly tense, incredibly dramatic, incredi incredibly powerful themes there. And, and not only that, you know, it, it was genuinely in places quite cathartic in a way that a lot of um, Doctor Who stories of recent years 
have or haven't been you know sometimes i think doctor who can feign catharsis um which you know i I don't particularly enjoy but in this case i thought it was really there It, it, it didn't undermine itself with too much silliness i don't mind comedy i don't mind um being made to laugh by doctor who but it but it has to it has to work for me but um yeah it definitely shot up to become one of my favorites from being in the doldrums I really loved the female roles, the way they were written, which again surprised me. I thought the Silurian, whose name evades me, the <laughs> one they capture, played by Neve McIntosh, yeah. was better there than she would later be as Vastra. Um, and um, the mother... Um, her confrontation again. Yeah. again yeah but the mother her confrontation with the silurian um in the back of the uh of, of the chapel or wherever wherever it was yeah yeah um it, i thought that was incredibly powerful incredibly emotional and, and and you know you had these two female strong female characters defending or choosing or wanting to defend what they believed was theirs and their heritage and their their um trying to safeguard their own beliefs and their own issues. I thought it was incredible. The lighting's beautiful, the music's great, the direction's top notch. Matt Smith's fantastic and and Arthur Darville's fantastic. And I think it was just one of those stories I, I was expecting to rewatch and and feel exactly the same about. And yet I literally found myself falling head over heels in in love with Doctor Who again. Wow. I have to say, when I first saw it, I thought, this is just silly. This is just, you know, a bunch of stuff from the John Pertwee era, sort of remixed with nothing else going on. Agreed. But it's when you when you watch it the second time, you're watching less for the plot and more for the characters. And actually, it's the character beats that make it's this exactly story. It's exactly that. Yeah. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. It, it's almost like um, uh, a lost Malcolm Hulk um, yeah. target novel in terms of characterization. You, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare the, the, the plot of this with the Silurians or whatever, but it, it's, um, it, it, it really has such wonderful character power, and I think. As you were saying before, you know, you take these things on, on their own merit once you revisit them, once you've accepted what the story is, where it's going and what it's going to do, then you can deal with the characters, what they're saying, how they're speaking, what it looks like, what it what it sounds like, what it feels like. It's, yeah. uh, it was a real surprise. Um, I can't believe I'm sitting here saying it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what are your feelings on The Hungry Earth? Um, it's not, obviously, it's not in my list. It's not uh, It's not one that I would put at the top of my favourites, but like Elton, my, my view on it, as you know, I did a, I did a rewatch of, of everything mm, last year. Yeah. Um, and I found myself enjoying it quite a lot more than I did the first time. I tend to take, you know, kind of a hot take on episodes, and that kind of um, in, informs my view for quite some time until I get a chance to to um, to revisit it. And I, I hadn't watched it again since transmission. I didn't. I remember not liking it that much on transmission. Transmission very much like Elton. But yes, there is a there is a great um, continuity to it. There is a very great sense of character depth to it and uh, like Elton I, I feel quite um, positive about Chibnall taking over uh, Doctor Who even though I, I, I am a, I'm a, a great um, I, I, I pretty much loathe all of Torchwood so um, <laughs> pretty, pretty much every, every single second of it 
I'll, th I'll throw a quick tuppence in on the subject of Torchwood then. I think Torchwood, especially early, was much better written than it was produced. And I think the production actually lets it down a bit in that first series. I think the people making it, the directors, the producers, they're, they're kind of trying to make it one thing. But the, the writing, especially something like the Cyberwoman episode, we reviewed that. That's actually got some really nice character stuff. But I like it's all that more about than I should. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, all do. about but it's all about the costume and the pterodactyl. Do you know exactly, what I mean? Exactly, yeah. On the screen. It's... The Cyberwoman, you know, she she gets upgraded to have wonderful cyber heels. Um it's quite ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But, they, yeah, but, but, to... the, but then again, the Cybermen have cyber boots that are masculine boots. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's a grey area really. It's it's all a bit silly, isn't it? But um I think you hear that we, before we started uh, the podcast, we were talking together about the relative merits of superheroes and the Avengers and so mm. on. Um, I think one of the reasons I fell for Torchwood was that it reminded me a great deal of, of modern, um, not so much superhero comics, but what superhero comics had become through Alan Moore and Mark Millar and people like that. Uh, and, and that kind of resonated. Um, I'm not saying that's a reason to love it. I don't, I don't know if I do love it, but um, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I, I do like John Barrowman. I know that's not necessarily a popular view, but I really do actually quite enjoy John Barrowman. I like John Barrowman in the right place at the right time. I beg your pardon. <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. John Barrowman from me. I, 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 I appreciate. I appreciate that you two have a view. <laughs> so you're not naked right now, then, Paul. I am naked right now, but okay. not because of John Barrowman. And moving swiftly along. And while you're there, Paul, do yep. you want then to tell us what your first choice is, what you thought about it at the time, and what changed? Okay, well, yeah, um, uh, you've you've set the 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 order that we we've, we've done, which is fine. Yeah. The, the, this one wasn't the, where I wanted to put it, but it, it's absolutely fine, no problem. This is Gridlock, which <laughs> um, I absolutely hated on transmission. It was uh, it was it was the first time that post two thousand and five Doctor Who had really hit me. Uh, as as oh damn they can make rubbish this is absolutely appalling and so i've gone i've, I've gone on i've gone on well, it's, it's just a thog's future shock from 2001 you know a, a monocultural um science fiction community in space um oh what what all loads of what ifs and outrageous metaphors and it was just really dull however over the time and i've watched it probably about four or five times now and i watched it again in my in my in my view and i've gone on a, a real journey with it where i hated it liked it and now i'm i'm kind of i can see the problems with it um but i can see the good stuff i mean the the, the problems with it are is it's totally illogical uh, um there's no way that people would would stay in that traffic jam for 24 years mm. there's there's a world going on outside it they can get out and there's a, there's you know there's there there are there are hospitals there are things flying over the city the city is not closed down it's it's so the the the, the basic illogic illogicality of the story just hits you in the face however what i do love about it um is that it's ambitious and it's the ambition that i missed 
at the at the beginning and it's a very allegorical story and i've got no yeah. problem with allegor i've got no problem with allegorical stories and i've got no problem with it dealing with big um philosophical themes which which is which is what I've come to love about the, the, the story, you know, the, the way that it tells us that it's it's OK to hope and that hope is important. Um, and um, it's got astounding visuals and it's it's beautiful to look at. And I think I think the journey I've gone on with it is that I've I've I, I hating it to begin with. I didn't really think about it. I just hated it. Right. When I came to think about it more, um, I realised that there was quite a lot going on under the surface. And then, then, it, then, then you think about why the macro are there, and that the macro are there to link it to the, the, the you know, the, that story, uh, which is also about um, uh, controlled. Uh, you know, populations controlled by corrupt governing systems, and that you know that that. A reflection of that story as well adds 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 a whole extra layer uh, that I can enjoy to it as well. So so actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's not as good as I thought it was. Maybe about you know four years ago, five years ago. Yeah. And I'm so I'm less I'm less enamoured of it. But it's it's a story. It's it's one of the most interesting Doctor Who stories for me in the fact that. My my opinion of it seems to change almost every time I watch it, and that shows you that there's something there worth examining. So that's 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 really good. For me, Gridlock reminds me of the Sylvester McCoy ones, like Paradise Towers and the Happiness yes. Patrol, where it's all yeah. about what the story's saying rather than necessarily the way in which it's saying it. Elton, sorry, go well, on. I, I think I think you're exactly right, JR, and I think. My opinion of of Gridlock is pretty similar to yours, Paul. I, I don't think I've ever disliked it, but um, w what I can see that it is trying to do that, say, Paradise Towers or Happiness Patrol is trying, it, it's it's an absurdist piece mm. of drama. Um, now, obviously, yeah. certain, I think certain production faults may um, impinge on that intention. Um, as you say, the, the city's not closed down. The city is still functioning. But um, yes, it, it does resemble something like um, Terror Tube or something like that from uh, 2018, which became it's, Nemesis. It's, it's almost um, waiting for Godot even, isn't it? It is. It, it, it's got that sort of wonderful absurdist, modernist attitude to it. Mm. I, I actually quite like it. I think it looks beautiful. Um, yes. I'm currently redoing that season with uh, a friend and um i haven't got there yet but i'm actually i i, I have found that i'm looking forward to it so um, that mm. must be a good thing yeah so should we move on to your next choice elton and if we could get this one over and done with in 30 seconds because actually <laughs> this is a story i like and you're about to tell me your opinions changed negatively about it <laughs> Okay, let, let's be clear on this. He says, adopting a David Cameron-like tone. Let's be clear on this. All Doctor Who is brilliant. Um, you've <laughs> challenged us to find stories yes. that we have have liked and then don't like or, or didn't like but now do like. So, you know, please don't take this as, as me putting this story down for any other reason than it stood out as... Um, being one that changed my opinion. I, I've done about three or four different complete rewatches in the last decade with, with different people, um, plus on my own. But um, this one is The Reign of Terror. Mm. Now, 
Boo, hiss. Are you booing and hissing me or the story? You. You. Definitely (laughs) you. I can go with that. Okay. Did you get the fruit I delivered? The tomatoes and the rotten... Anyway. He delivered them with a throw. I'm already locking myself into the stocks in preparation for this. No, it's fine. uh, We're here to give our opinions. And whatever your opinion is, that's fair enough. It's your opinion. And like you say, yeah. I I couldn't... I couldn't sit here and say it's crap. It's not. It's not. I absolutely loved the Reign of Terror once. When I was about 18, I hadn't been watching Doctor Who. No, 17. I hadn't been watching Doctor Who for a couple of years. And I came back to watch it that autumn to join Sylvester McCoy. But the summer preceding McCoy's first episodes, I was at college and it was my summer holiday. I wanted something to read, so I started digging through my old Target paperbacks. That was great. This led me into Smith's, where I I found a display full of shiny new Target paperback books, Ah. one of which was The Reign of Terror by Ian Marta. So I grabbed this thinking, you know, I've got this this sort of um, emerging vibe that I'm interested in the historicals, and let's see what this takes. I read the book. I thought it was fantastic. So, you know, that was a bit of a renaissance for me. That got me back into the books. The McCoy got me back into the series. I was suddenly a fan again. Um, so when the box set came out, I think it came out in a box with, did it come out with, a, with an episode, the episode of The Web of Fear? Um, not, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. About 1998 or something like that. Uh, maybe a little bit later. Anyway, I got the box, watched it, absolutely loved it, wallowed in it. Um since I've been doing my rewatches, every time I've rewatched it, whether alone or in company, it's the first of the stories we get to. Yeah, we get past Sensorites, we get past the Keys of Marinus, but this is the first of the stories we get to where everything just flags. People lose interest. I start losing interest. The people I'm with start losing interest. I think what it is, is it, it has a great many lovely moments i even i mean when i first saw it absolutely adored those sequences where um ian chesterton's on film talking to a man on video and, and <laughs> never quite see them in the same room i love all that stuff i love all that and you know technically adore it for what it is but um and hartnell smacking the guy over the head with a spade fantastic all that stuff is lovely um and hartnell's magnificent in it but what's begun to strike me as I see it again and again. I know exactly is, what you're going to say here. Well, it's the performances of other oh. people. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you weren't expecting me to say that, but no, Carol, was... <laughs> Carol Ann Ford is oh, yeah. rubbish in it. Um, I don't think she's necessarily the best actor to have played a companion. And, you know, I, I love um, Susan as an icon, as an image, but in this, she's pretty poor. Um, Jackie Hill's always fantastic, but James Cancross as the spy, um, Le Maitre, I he can't act for Toffee. I'm sorry, he really can't <laughs> act for Toffee. He cannot deliver a line, and and every scene he's in kills me. Um, now, obviously, you know, I, I've watched it as recons. I've seen it with the animation. The animation drives me insane because it's just unwatchable. Um, but that said, you know, I, somewhere in my heart, I love the Reign of Terror. It's just I don't think I'll be watching it again in a hurry anytime <laughs> soon. The background of the story is great. The, just very quickly, there's, I read somewhere once that 
there was a veto on Doctor Who producing stories that were set in that period in the um, 18th century because a lot of British TV drama at that time was making stories uh, set in that sort of milieu Um, so I I think all we have left is this the smugglers and the highlanders and I think you know in terms of what they are on paper I adore them I absolutely adore them but um, Reign of Terror has over over time lost a few feathers for me I'm I've, I've got a lot of history with reign of terror because i saw it much earlier than you did i i bought a a bootleg videotape a, a doctor who convention <laughs> kind of thing that had the the extant episodes on and i watched it over and over and over again and listened to the because uh, I, I managed to get copies of the audio as well there was there was a, a tape trading um way i remember of, those days yeah, yeah, getting, getting getting audios and I loved the Reign of Terror. And that first episode is amazing. It's probably, I think, other than other than the first episode, you know, the Unearthly Child. I think the first episode of Reign of Terror is my favourite Hartnell episode of that first season. It is vicious. It is nasty. But Spooner is so it's 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 such a brilliant writer. The the tension in that and the 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 cliffhanger isn't a cheat and it's it's just such a just and i love i love the rest of it as well and actually it would be nice if if we get time to actually talk about the animations because i i i as elton knows he knows i have a a different view to him on the on the animations <laughs> oh i tell you what we'll do that next time we get together we'll go through <laughs> all we of have them. to <laughs> I'll send well, no, an animated no, I, version of me in to talk about them. <laughs> I, I, I can do it in two lines. It's it's we we my 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 feeling about the animations is yes they're not Pixar animations. However, we give Doctor Who of that time a free pass for you know doing the best it can with the available resources, and that's exactly what the animators are doing. Yes. Other than maybe the invasion where they had a bit of money. Um, uh, with that it's all been done on a real tight budget with you know low you know the production values that are pushed to the very boundaries of what you can do with that amount of money and that technique you know that technical um, uh, backup and that many animators so I think they should be the animations are kind of the same kind of um, uh, production as the actual 60s episodes themselves. They're like making 60s episodes now. Your back's against the wall. You've got no money. You've got absolute no way of making this look like you know, because Doctor Who didn't look like the Avengers. It didn't look like um, it didn't look like uh, uh, Danger Man. It didn't look like IT, any anything IT. So it looked rubbish, but they did the best of what they can with what they had. And I think the animations that are made, you know, very very cheaply, with the best will in the world, with 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 people really trying hard, give us that kind of sensibility as well. And I think they should be treated in a, in a in a very similar way. My my comeback to that would be this: they, I agree with everything you say in terms of of, of the capability behind it and the, um, the the brilliance of what's achieved. But at the same time, my position I think is I don't resent them because they're they're poor or they're basic or anything like that. I don't believe that to be the case. Um, I don't like them because they're animation. It's that simple. Um, mm. Doctor Who doesn't look like that to me. That, so when I'm watching it, it's distra- It's a bit like graffiti over a painting um, to me. So 
as I can imagine what it looks like when it's been, you know, from other episodes or telesnaps or whatever, it's better in my head than it is with someone showing me what it probably looks like. Um, it's as simple as that. But I totally agree with you about the first episode. I think it's fantastic. I think the problem is with Reign of Terror, it's a little bit the law of diminishing returns. Sometimes when you watch something that completely blows you away, you expect to, it to blow you away the next time you watch it. And of course it doesn't because it only blew you away the first time because you didn't anticipate it doing that. And if you anticipate it doing that, subsequently it can only disappoint you because you've already seen it and you've already yeah. had that experience so After what that, you're saying it becomes appreciation. Yeah. i was gonna say so what you're really saying jr is that it's not the reign of terror it's elton yes absolutely <laughs> no I, I think i think but i think that's i think that's a tr- there is a truth in that there is a truth because it, one thing we do that, that, that how can i put it the better doctor who fans or the better fans of anything continue to appreciate and appreciate isn't just um appreciate in terms of being grateful for a thing but it is examining a thing and looking for things that you know that 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 we admire or that um we've never we've never thought to look for before it's uh-huh. it, it's a bit like art appreciation if you will and it's, it's 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 that simple and i think we do do that you know but a lot of fans don't a lot of fans um chuck things into room 101 without even thinking about it or, uh, or praise things blindly. But I, yeah. I, I admire the people I can talk to in life about anything who continue to look at an object or an idea or a television story or a movie or a piece of music and find new things in it. Or, or even, even if they can't find new things, new ways to interpret the things they have already encountered within that mm-hmm. piece of art. Yeah. And just briefly before we move on, the thing that I thought you were going to say about the Reign of Terror is that, uh, and the thing I like about Reign of Terror is I like getting myself lost in the milieu of it. But agreed, agreed. But you step away from that, and unlike most of the other stories of that time, which have got a story going on with a few subplots, Reign of Terror seems to be made up entirely of subplots, and there's no agreed. central thrust to it. And maybe that's anyway. Now that well, there, there's one, there is another story that, that is very similar to that that I, I used to greatly admire, just very quickly, and that's the Crusades. Uh, yes, I, yes, it, I agree. It, it yeah. eaters out to absolutely nothing. Um, I don't know why, but it, but it does. Anyway. That leads us in quite nicely to my next one, actually, <laughs> because, I've got, because I've got a theory about that, you see. I've about... already got two great oh, segues for this bit, Paul. Now. now we're going to have to fight over our segues. <laughs> Well, my seg my segue is yes, Whitaker isn't all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, now that Paul's ruffled our feathers, and what a lovely hat that was that William Hartner was wearing in that story, yeah. and now that we've talked about how wonderful the animation is, what's your next choice, Paul? <laughs> yeah, that was rubbish, Jo. Um, <laughs> don't give up the day job, eh? Um, yeah, <laughs> this um, is my podcast. You're the guest. You watch your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, you'll, you'll edit me upside down again, won't you? <laughs> you can hear me keeping very quiet right now. <laughs> right, okay. So, um, at the risk of uh, at the risk of um, upsetting everybody, David Wick is not as good as we think he is. And my That's ev- it. I'm out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and my evidence for that is not so much the stories that he wrote, although Power of the Daleks is 
one of the stories that he wrote. Um, it's the stories that he let get through and the bits of the stories that are rubbish that he let get through that he just hand waved through. And I don't think he was a very good script editor. I don't think, um, uh, you know, he, he didn't he didn't edit Terry Nation as well as he should. I mean, letting, you know, most of Keys of Mariners through without, um, you know, rewriting the whole thing. I'm guessing um, Keys just, of Mariners isn't going to turn up on your list then. No, 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 it's not. Um, but... <laughs> Anyway, Power of the Daleks, the, the, the great things about Power of the Daleks are still great. Patrick Troughton is still great. He isn't just wonderful. He's suddenly an alien. It's, it's not about a gentleman scientist anymore. It's about a genius in a toddler's body marvelling at the Fisher-Price universe. I am 100% in bed with that, but that's Troughton. That's not Whitaker. Power of the Daleks has got some great Dalek stuff going on. I really, you know, a lot of it, I like the stuff with Lesterson and, and the thing. But again, it's the parochial colonial politics of it that is just so dull. It's just a bunch of fat blokes talking in rooms. And that's <laughs> not interesting telly. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a great fan of the animation, as, I, as we just spoke about the animation. But the, the, the story that's, that there's, there, is, there is about, in the first four episodes, there's about two episodes of story, if you're being really, really generous. Now, Victory of the Daleks... There's, there's a lot of problems with Victory of the Daleks, but the one thing that's great about Victory of, the, Victory of the Daleks is it does everything that the first four episodes of Power of the Daleks does in about nine minutes. Yeah. There is no need for six episodes of Power of the Daleks. There's probably not a need for four episodes of Power of the Daleks. There's about three episodes of stuff going on there. Now, a lot of it I love. I really love the, the, the Daleks and their machinations. You know, I am your servant is brilliant i mean that's just a, an absolutely fabulous moment a really uh, you know spine tingling moment in doctor who and i and i get that but it's just the stuff behind it and there's the, the whole MacGuffin of the rebels what are they rebelling against it seems like quite a nice place we never <laughs> see we never see anybody being oppressed or needing to rebel or you know uh, uh bragan and what's his face having a you know a, a really terrible regime it seems okay. What are they going on about? Why are they upset? We know nothing about them. It's just a MacGuffin yeah. to fill out, fill out, you know, six episodes. Just concentrate on the Daleks. And and then the, there's the Doctor as well. This is the bit that really gets me. Why doesn't the Doctor kill all the Daleks at the end of episode two? Why isn't he going, I need to sort this out right now? There's Daleks and I don't trust them. I'm not going to listen to any of these 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 Earth people. They're stupid. These are Daleks. They're the most evil creatures in the universe. Why doesn't he kill them straight away? He is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of colonists by the end of Power of the Daleks because he didn't, you know, he didn't intervene in Syria early enough. Mm. Um, it's 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 just it's rubbish. It really is. <laughs> except for Troughton who's brilliant, and uh, uh, Craze and what's-her-face, Polly, who plays Polly. Annika Wills. Brilliant. Annika Wills, <laughs> yep. She's, you know, they're all brilliant, and, you know, I could listen to her read the telephone directory, but the rest of it, the parochial, colonial politics are astonishingly inept and badly realised, and especially that, that bit where um, we, we get about 15 minutes of, I think it's episode five, of Bregan, um, not Bregan, um, it is Bregan, the, um, who was the, 
Oh God, I've yeah. forgotten. Who's the, who's the guy who runs who run, Hensel? Hensel? Yeah, he come. We get about fifteen minutes of Hensel, you know, working his way back through the colony just to be shot. <laughs> it's one of those stories. It's rubbish. It's one of those stories that. But I used that... to love it. <laughs> That's it's... the thing. I did used to love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I one really of those, did. It's one of those stories that sets up a mystery about who the traitor among the ranks is, and then it gives is. you precisely one suspect. Rubbish. And then it doesn't even unmask him. It just transpires through the course of the story that he's the only one it could be, so he's the one it is. It's one of those, isn't it? Can I, oh, can I, can I just get my really good joke out? This is, oh, this, go on. This is, this is an obscure joke, but it's it's interesting, Powder Daleks, because Weimar, uh, Patrick Weimark was one of the people who was who was put up, who was you know possibly in the running to be the second Doctor. And it's funny that the first Second Doctor story is pretty much the power game of the Daleks. It's... Uh, it's <laughs> It's, it's a really obscure TV joke there, but it is. It's just, it's just, you know, what it needed was pa- Patrick Weimark thumping a table and and his and his secretary making sure that she gets the gets the um, uh, 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 flowers for his wife because he's forgotten her anniversary. It's that dull. <laughs> Elton, what do you think of Power of the Daleks? It's a, a bit like, I guess, a bit like you guys, maybe some Paul. I think. It's one of those, a bit like Evil of the Daleks, really. It's one of those that I thought I liked, um, but I, I don't. It's, it, it's, it, again, all Doctor Who is great. There's reason for yep, all of it. Yep, you can yep, watch yeah. it. I actually yep. watched the first episode the other night. Um, one thing that occurred to me watching it this time was, was it once a prison colony? I did mutated into something a little bit more um, um, pioneering the, the, than that. But, um, yeah, it just... it. it Troughton's fantastic. Annika Wills yep. is always brilliant. Um, it's just boring. It's boring. Yeah, it it, really it doesn't really go anywhere. And it's concluded, I think, like several early Troughton scripts. Am I, am I th- if, I, if I'm thinking correctly, by him turning on and off, turning off an off switch that no one yep. else has bothered to to find. But yeah, I, I, the power of the Daleks overrated. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the Crusade, I, I really do, but there's not much other David Whitaker stuff that I could hold up and say. I mean, even you know, everyone goes, you know, mad over enemy, uh, enemy of the world, and that's not very good either. I've just got to say though, in, in defence yeah. of, of Whitaker, I, I think I found on a on a rewatch a few years ago that mm. what was continually occurring to me, and I was I was writing stuff for a a, a site I'm not going to mention right now, but um, it, what, what did occur to me was. Um, Things like Marco Polo and the Aztecs. Oh, man. They're, they're beautiful, but I, I think, I have to say, I think Whitaker rescues Lucarotti's scripts. I think looking around, Lucarotti, if, if you check his other work and you see what, um, what they're saying behind the scenes in, in, in production documents and so on, he's not the best writer. He's, he, he doesn't have everything there. And I think Whitaker shores this stuff up. And I think Whitaker's partly responsible for a great deal of the magic in Marco Polo. And it's certainly in how can I put it, the more florid dialogue, the more poetic dialogue, and, and again in the Aztecs. Yeah. I think that's what Whitaker's got going in his favour. He Maybe may not he necessarily be the best well, author, you know. but I think I, as a script editor, I think he was corralling fairly effectively. Um, God knows what he was doing with Terry Nation, though. You know, but he wasn't. I mean, I, I, I guess Terry Nation was like one of those people when, uh, like, I mean, I, I love Moff stuff, but when RTD exactly uh, that, said, I was thinking said, said, you know, I, I, I don't edit Moff, you know. Because he's I, a name, he's he's got a reputation, yeah. and you just and uh, nation, nation was as well. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I mean, nation is, you know, um, the person you, you say, yeah, let him do his stuff. Let him do his stuff. Yeah. He, he brings the numbers in. Right. Should we move on? Because we are we are going to get short on time if we don't. Talking about okay. a story that was perhaps overrated. Now let's talk about one that's probably underrated. Because Elton, your next one is one that your opinions improved upon. And it is... The Mutants, as in the 1970s, The Mutants. Yeah. <laughs> um, the best one. Yeah, well, the, the only one, really, let's be honest. Um, yeah, so, um, okay, so I remember reading the Target book as a kid, hated it, boring. Um, round about 1993, UK Gold, what's this? Fantastic, I can get episodes of Doctor Who, this is exciting. I didn't have it myself, a neighbour did, she used to video them for me on oh, a yeah. Sunday morning in omnibus form, and then I'd watch them later with all these weird sort of flickery lines going through it, but... Um, so this is where I first saw The Mutants and I watched it and I generally found it to be rubbish. Um, yeah. I, I, tell, I tell you, one of the people that, and I've forgotten his name, it's Paul something, the Marshal. Paul his name? Um, Jones. Yes. Paul Whitson Jones. He's one of those actors that he's brilliantly cast when he plays a villain because he's so he comes across as so thoroughly awful, but somehow this contaminates his performance and, and, and he chews the scenery to death. Then you've got George Pravda, who, you know, I'm watching him thinking, OK, this guy's clear. I think he's Hungarian, isn't he? Or Czech or something, something like that. Yeah. Um, but um, you're watching thinking he's delivering these lines so painfully, stiffly in his horrible brown 70s smock. And, and you know, <laughs> it, it just... And on UK Gold, this this was drained of colour. It was, you know, it was thin. But come the video, sorry, the DVD, yeah. um, I stick that on and, I, I, you know, nicely, be beautifully cleaned up, beautifully restored, gorgeous. I watch it now. It's got great politics. It's got, you know, I, I love radiophonic style music. It's got fantastic yeah. music. And for me, one of the pinnacle moments of 70s Doctor <laughs> Who is this. You know, you guys know that, you know, I, I story's great, actors are great, but I love visuals, I love lighting, I love effects. The Crystal Cave, that beautiful slow motion, John Pertwee cape flowing behind his back as he runs through the Crystal Cave. Um, this wonderful sort of, uh, it must be Brian Hodgson, I guess, maybe it's Dick Mills, I don't know, doing mm. the um, sound effects. It, you know, CSO fringing all over the place. It just looks gorgeous. It's, right. it's, that, it's that glam rock vision of uh, Doctor Who that stole my heart as a very small child. And a bit like the Claws of Axos, it has oh, those man. crazy, psychedelic, yep. glam rocky, tinselly, Christmassy visuals that just, you know, some days that really is just what Doctor Who is. Some days Pertwee to me is the Doctor, yep. is the only Doctor. And, you know, they all get their day, but some days it's Pertwee and some days it's that glam rock, tinselly, mad, strange, otherworldliness that you get with the mutants. Plus you get a fantastic story. Paul Whitson Jones is actually fantastic. And George Pravda, well, you know, I've seen him in other things, so I, I kind right. of warm to him now. He's all right. Listen, listen. I, 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 I love the mutants, and mutants is one of those ones that that I was I was done over by fan received wisdom, because by the time I got to see it, um, everybody, you know, everybody I'd ever read was that this is rubbish, this is terrible, this is awful, and then when I got to see it, I loved it, and I really enjoyed it, and it's a really um, 
uh, really clever story. I, I, I like the idea of, of the, the, the evolution in the story, that it examines evolution. I think it's a great one. It's up there. It does... It's one of those that you were told was was crap, along yeah. with yeah. the ambassadors of death or mind <laughs> of evil or um, colony in space, and it's got the missing Star Wars character Biggs in it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It, it, Mutants is great. I, I I won't hear a bad word said about it. It's got a kind of gloriously mad quality, like the claws of Axos. But I I think what gets the mutants a bad rap is the company around it. I think there's three great stories that everybody loves just before it, and then the time monster immediately afterwards. And I think the mutants get shunted in the direction of the time monster, which, by the way, I love. Yeah, it's great. That's a great season, actually, really. It is fantastic. I really like that season. Yeah. Right, shall we move on, though, because we are going to have to try and hurry through these a bit. Paul, what's your next choice? Um, it's a story. Um, we, we 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 leap forward now to um, the Capaldi era, and it was a story that I hated on transmission. And I have to hold up my hands and say I was absolutely one hundred percent right. Wrong about no, it. right. Because, because <laughs> I absolutely loathed the Empress of Mars. I thought it was uh, pointless rubbish. Um, uh, you know, just just a pastiche of a pastiche. Um, and then when I saw it again last year, I tell you what, man, I absolutely adored it. It mm. was it's so good. It's typical Gattis. Uh, absolutely. But he knows how to evoke a certain kind of hammeresque, gothic and step up a lips kind of thing that, that you know, I, I guess um, uh, he was startled by Wang Chiang as a child. And, and uh, that, <laughs> that's been uh, you know that that's been his raison d'etre ever since. But um, and it's got the ghost of Robert Holmes in it with the you know that tart ear for rum dialogue. Um, but it's it's just fabulous. It's it hinges. I mean, steampunk. Obviously, it's got a steampunk kind of element to it. Mm. And steampunk is a pastiche uh, of, of of Victoriana and that sort of thing. So it's a pastiche of steampunk. So it's 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 layer piled upon layer. And it's you know, it, it doesn't it, it can't possibly work. But what's brilliant about it is that it's a human moment about heroism. And that's what it that's what the whole thing hinges on. This one brilliant, sweet human moment at the end. And it's it's just it's small, well formed, fun, and it has a forgiving heart. And I I love I love that about it. And I think I think I was I was I must have been in a bad mood or I'd stubbed <laughs> my toe or something. Uh, you I, in a bad mood? <laughs> yeah, Good never, grief, man! Never happens, does it? Never happens. But yeah, I mean, I I I love it. I I really do. I was. It's the one that I flipped on the most. I think uh, from you know. Giving it a one out of ten to now, probably giving it a, a an eight, an eight or nine out of ten. I really love it. Wow, I got to say, I've always found Mark Gatiss's ones feel contrived to me. I never feel the emotions honest, but maybe that's just what I see. No, in Mark I, I agree. I, I think, I think we, I think we all probably thought. And maybe maybe some of us still do. I don't know. I'm speaking for myself, aren't I? Mm. But I, th- I think we all. I think I thought that Mark Gatiss was going to be one of the great writers of the new series. And um, I, th- I think again, he has often failed to perhaps reach the heights we expected of him. Um, maybe that's our fault for investing in him in a particular mm. way. I but, guess. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, for, for me, his greatest moment in the whole of the new 
Doctor Who since 2005 is the opening to Unquiet Dead um, mm. because it's beautifully directed. I thought, you know, people were telling us now you're going to tune into the, the, the scariest two episodes of Doctor Who, The Empty Child. But no, I, I thought we'd already been to the yeah. most scary moment imaginable, that woman walking towards the camera. Screaming. And, and swallowing swallowing us up and screaming. Yeah, an amazing visual bit of TV. I, th- I think before, what I didn't buy in Empress of Mars was the Colonel's uh, emotional journey. And I think uh, Gattis gets the emotional journey right in a way that I didn't see before. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a defender of Gattis in a lot of them. I, I don't like um, the Crimson what's name and I don't like That's the awful. Yeah. That terrible. And the, awful. and the ice warrior one where, where I ice, like that. I like that yeah, this and, time. And, yeah. But the, where the, 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 you know, what, why are ice warriors wearing, if they're so badass, why are they wearing armor? But he gets the emotion. He gets the emotions right in this, and getting that much emotion into you know forty-four minutes of silly telly, and getting that emotional journey for the colonel, which I hadn't really grasped before, and and this time I, I really did. I was I was I was in the I was probably in the right place to watch it this time, and maybe I you know I was in the wrong place last time. So I do apologise for saying nasty things about. <laughs> well, and look, I did. I did. I said some very nasty things about. Luckily, it. luckily for time's sake, I've only seen it once um i'm due to look at that again myself fairly soon but um i i, I can only really say that i, I didn't I, I neither neither loved it nor hated it it was just sort of a middling story for me but i'm hoping as with all the capaldi i've been re-watching that i'm going to absolutely love it so anyway speaking of ice warriors elton what's your next choice <laughs> I'm sharpening a knife now. Yeah, here we go. This is another one of those that you know. I... This is not going to be as controversial as Paul's next choice, believe you me. But carry <laughs> on. <laughs> well, again, I, I, I used to write for a, 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 a fan um, Doctor Who fan site years and years ago, um, which you know uh, was was great fun. But um, I, I remember writing a review for this and saying, "Look, let me preface this by saying." All Doctor Who is brilliant. <laughs> Let's take it from there. Yeah. It's it's the Ice Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's one of those that in isolation, a bit like Reign of Terror, um, watching stories in a more scattergun approach years ago before we could actually do them all in order. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was fantastic. I remember that lovely little box set coming out with the... Um, Episodes two and three connected together by telly snaps told through the wrist communicator thing. And you suddenly have that moment where, you go, oh, my God, it started to move. It started to move. And we're getting back to live action again. Um, I remember that was it, was it the end of 98 again. Um, this was definitely the end of 98. Um, I'd moved into a new flat. I sat down with this. I devoured this. It was beautiful. It was unexpected. It was a surprise. I think the thing was. For me, it was better than I thought it would be. It was another one of the Target books that I hadn't enjoyed. I found it to be a little bit, um, lots of people in rooms talking about stuff that I really didn't care about. Mm. But watching it, visually impressive. The Ice Warriors mm. are fantastic. Um, Barkworth is excellent. Peter Salis is excellent. You know, that you can't yeah. fault the performances. You cannot fault the performances. But again, on the rewatches, on my own, and with other people, this is the moment where suddenly the attention drops. And I, I, I can't quantify why. I really can't. So 
my <laughs> my pushing it forward as a story I once loved but no longer like is fairly indefensible. But again, you know, um, that was the task we were we, we were we were we were we were set. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it, I just find it a bit too. Uh, this is a ridiculous thing to say for someone who writes plays like this, but it's a bit too talky. It's just yeah. a bit too standing in a room, arguing, bickering. I don't necessarily believe the real lives of the people there. That could be true of many, many Doctor Who stories. So again, I don't really know what it is about this one. You bung in then the animation on top of that, which, you know, Oh my good God! I, it was like I would happily chew one of my own arms off. And the reason I say that is because the arms of those ca- animated characters look like chicken drumsticks, and I'm a vegan. Um, anyway, so um, it, I, I don't know. I, I, of course, I like the Ice Warriors. I just don't love it anymore. I prefer, I I, I prefer the other Ice Warrior stories. Yeah. I absolutely love Seeds of Death, yeah. which I used to hate. Yeah. I, I through... hate Seeds of Death. Yeah. I've always hated it. Oh, really? season, <laughs> season five, season five is for me is the quintessential Troughton season. I love it, and I've even had a. T- I mean, I, I I didn't include it in here, but I've had a turnaround on Abominable Snowman as well. It's brilliant. It's oh, it's so amazing. Well, it's amazing. It's so well written and so well paced, and so so. I, I mean, I love. And, well, I know we're talking about the Ice Warriors, but I love the Ice Warriors. I mean, you've got you've got Doctor Who's first gay couple living together. Um, Salis and Lenny. Um, I thought you were going to say Islier and Isixir, no! whatever they're called. <laughs> Brilliant. No, they're on their way to the fetish club. They're dressed up like that. But no, it's, it's, I love the Ice Warriors. Um, and on my on my rewatch last year, I adored it all over again. And I don't mind. And you know, I don't mind the animation. But I love Ice Warriors so much. It's so good. And it, and that season is just so good as well. And everything's very cold. If you notice the first three stories yeah. of that, uh, it's the snow trilogy, you know, yeah. the, yeah. the ice, ice tombs, abominable snowmen, ice warriors. I only remember the order of those by by things Jamie says, like, um, <laughs> oh, it's, it's a lot better than that mountain doctor and, and things like that. You know? yeah. I didn't I'm know good. he was Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say. I didn't realise I was doing an accent. <laughs> Or what purported to be one. <laughs> I got to say, my. I really didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> it's a good job you write plays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. I am an actor. I am available. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I was only talking oh, to someone the other day about this. Oh, never mind. Okay. Let's get to uh, Paul's next choice because this is the one that's going to. Put most of the backs up, I suspect. Do you, do you think so? Do you think so? I, I know. I'm. I don't. Are you, you, haven't, so. you haven't I, said a well, word about I, it yet, but I completely agree with you, Paul. Before you even start, the, the thing is, it's 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 revered as the greatest pre two thousand and five story, and I just don't buy it. It's you know the caves of Androzani, and that's what I'm talking about. It's not the greatest Doctor Who story of all time. It's not the greatest of the pre two thousand and five era. It's not even the best eighties story. It's not even the best Davidson story. And on top of that, it's not even the best story of season twenty one. I don't get it. I, I well, I've got I've got some ideas about why, but I it's don't. It's the really best Androzani story. <laughs> just, just about. But listen, listen. <clears throat> I, 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 I've made a list, right? And and I'll go through it quite quickly so it doesn't hurt people too much. But no, no, take rob- your time. Let them sting. <laughs> <laughs> the magma beast. Wound the Herod. buggers. 
Yeah, Magma. Am I allowed to say buggers? Oh, you, you just can said say buggers, buggers twice. twice. Now I've said buggers three times. No, I. Bugger. <laughs> Okay, so the things that are wrong with it, right, the start, which is rubbish, the magma beast, which is rubbish, Perry's accent, which travels the entire United States and bits of Surrey at the same time, the twat in the mask, sorry to to say that, (laughs) uh, uh, which is is Holmes retreading Phantom of the Effing Opera and Power of Kroll again. Yeah, yeah. I like Power of Kroll. Yeah, I like Power of Crawl, but I didn't want to watch it again, and I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to watch it with a guy in a, in, a, in a stupid mask. The thing about the thing about guys in masks, right? Villains in masks is they don't work unless they've got a good motivation. Um, uh, Wang Chiang, um, uh, you know, Magnus Grill, uh, he's got he's got good motivation, and he's got a motivation for wearing the mask. But our friend Mr. Sharaz Jack is surrounded by androids. Why is he covered up? Why does it matter to him if they see his face? They're bloody androids that he's made. It's just, it's okay. You've got an obsession with Phantom of the Opera, Robert. You know, I get that. That's that, that that's absolutely fine. And you know, you've been asked to write this story. Um, you know, to kill off Davidson's Doctor. Fair enough. So you're going to put a man in a mask. You like men in masks. I get that. I don't want to know what you get up to in your private life but obviously men in masks are a thing that you really like however there's no logic to this story there's no i mean you know the the bit at the end where um um davidson gives the the milk to perry or whatever to to save yeah, perry yeah. and full enforcer there's no logic to that why didn't he drink it and go and get some more milk for for, for perry he could have done that it, 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 I, 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 I just I just don't get it. The um the, there are there are things that are good about it, and I used to love it. I really did. But the I, the thing I wanted to say about it is the, perhaps the reason it's so. There are two reasons. Maybe it's popular. There, uh, the first is that for the same reason that Queen's greatest hits is their best selling record, people don't want innovation. They want stuff they can sing. You can sing Andrazani because you know every note. But the other thing that i think about it is that the writers who were gestating the fan tastemakers the ones who went on to write in the 90s whose you know davidson was their doctor um they were the ones who created the taste for the the background radiation of fandom and Andrazani was always held up by all of them as this magnificent edifice this wonderful thing that actually is built on really shaky foundations you know um, um greel and davros i can believe in because they're driven by creative processes and their megalomania is is cold and logical jeff is all over the place emotionally he's mad not bad revenge is a pointless motivator um and, and so no i don't i don't i don't buy into jack at all so if i don't buy into the bad guy i'm not going to buy into all the rest of it and the magma beast is rubbish did I mention that? <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Elton, anything to add to that? <laughs> um, yeah, very brief. I, I, I used to keep a very extensive diary when I was younger, for, for about 20 years, actually. But I, I, I seem to recall a one-line entry for one of those days when Androzani was on. Watched the new Doctor Who story, The Caves of Androzani. It was all right. And I think... <laughs> but, but I think that's how it kind of went. I, I, I seem to remember... 
you know, I was 14 or whatever. I preferred the action-packed Dalek story, or um, you know, mm. because I was 14 and 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 uh, um, a hungry fan who couldn't get videos or whatever. Um, so things like that were, were exciting, whereas that didn't really make a big impact on me. I, I do really, really like Androzani because I find it exciting and I, I you know, um, I find it visually interesting. Um, I like Peter Davison in it. Um, you know, I can see why you have issues with it and I, and, and I would say that they're very valid issues I guess I just haven't thought about it in that particular way mm. um, but I just said, find it a bit it's... grim you know, I like my Doctor Who to be colourful and fun, not always I, I don't but... mind grim but I, I think w w one of the other things going in its favour for me is I do like the 80s sort of incarnation of Doctor Who I like the effects, I like the music um, so, so it kind of resonates as, as even though it didn't make a huge impact impact on transmission it still resonates of a certain time to me a, a, a certain nostalgia i guess but also um having watched it several times in the last few years it, it, it still strikes me as exciting and fairly immediate um i can think of i can think of other stories that that, that I, I i'd i'd much rather less watch but um mm, yeah but valid it's comments not, valid comments yeah it's not it's not it's not terrible or anything but it's not the masterpiece that everybody yeah. has it up to be mm. and I, I think the crucial it's thing not. for this discussion is your opinion of it has changed um, yeah, it so has, you, yeah. you must have loved it you know oh no i used to, i used to I, I don't think i've ever thought it was you know city of death good but i yeah, I, 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 I would I, agree I, with that I've, my, I've, I understand, you know, why. Like I said, it's Queen's greatest hits of Doctor Who. Yeah, my yeah. That's what it is. My startling confession for you, I probably confessed to both of you at some point anyway, um, is that I don't like the talons of Wen Chiang, and I never have. Um, I, again, it's Doctor Who. I like it for... No, let me rephrase that. I don't love the yeah, talons yeah, of yeah. Wen Chiang. Um, yeah. I do think it's overrated. I do think it's boring. I do think it's too long. It's not boring all the way through. It's boring in the middle. And again, it's it's two stories kind of stuck together. Um, you can see that it, it sort of crashed into itself to be, to create a third object. Six episode stories do do sag in the middle if they don't dog leg and go somewhere else for a couple yeah. of episodes, which is why the time monster I think is a brilliant well-constructed six-episode story and, 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 and other ones aren't. Yeah, The Time Monster, I'd much rather watch The Time yeah. Monster than Time Monster. I love the, yeah. the Time Monster is like a, a Doctor Who annual story made, you know, from a Doctor Who annual made into a into a, into a proper telly. It yeah, really sure is. is. I love it. <laughs> you missed something off your list, Paul. That episode one cliffhanger where they just happened to have made absolutely note perfect android replicas <laughs> of these people who have literally just walked into their lives yeah absolutely it's, it's insane rubbish. it's rubbish anyway he, i tell you he's good though isn't he glenister's fantastic oh, oh yeah yeah, he's very, yeah. He's fantastic Oh, and Normandy, and uh, the, you know, um, yeah, Normandy plays yeah, Morgus. Yeah. Oh, it's it's well written, it's well acted, it's well directed. It just doesn't hit my taste. It's just well, it's not. It's it, I, I don't overrated. Think it, I don't. I don't think it's well written, and that's that's always my well, starting. Yeah, yeah. For a, for a, I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's well constructed. I don't think story logic works, and I don't. I don't buy the. I don't buy Jack's um, motivation. Okay, it's and, got nice dialogue got, by Paul by Robert Holmes in it. Put it that way. Some somewhere, yeah, in a couple yeah. of bits, yeah. Not not it's not his best. Super anyway, much. on the subject of Androzani's story, should we move on to your next choice, Elton? Yes, very quickly. I recently uh, alongside watching um 
uh, Martha's season with with Sarah, who um, has been enjoying watching things with me. Sarah DeBella, who was in Hoop League Strategies, who I said hello to last time, and I must say hello to again. Hello. <laughs> um, but very quickly, I also alongside that, I'm, I've been going through Capaldi. I've just finished rewatching my second viewing of Husbands of Riversong. Do you know what? Husbands I've just said something really stupid. I've said, speaking of Androzani stories, because for some reason I'm looking at the husbands of a song written down on the list in front of me, and I'm thinking of the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. How they do. They... Me- I'm going to rescue you. They do mention Androzani in the Husbands of River Song. Oh, they mention it there too, do they? They do indeed. Okay, I think I'm editing when the this doctor out. Goes, when the Doctor goes to that guy and says, "Build a build a, uh, a hotel or a restaurant or whatever," um, Androzani's mentioned there. Um, oh. Construction fleets or whatever. Anyway, um, now I've I'm, just I'm made myself look clever and then stupid all in one breath. No, it was subconscious. It was subconscious. You yeah. see, you've got okay. it there. Sorry. Uh, very, very quickly, um, we had two Christmas specials in a row that I couldn't bear: Husbands of River Song and The Return of Doctor Mysterio. So, is that right? Mysterio. Something? Mysterio. Okay, I'm thinking of a Bill Nelson record. Mm. Um, anyway, okay, right. So um, I haven't got to Mysterio yet. But anyway, so Husbands of River Song, I found it quite flippant. I found it very empty. I found it poorly constructed. Um, I was unmoved by it. And I also felt that it pretty much undersold River's ongoing story almost as if it was a kind of crammed on ending just to get the story out of the bloody way i mean how many times can moffat create that character you know um over and over again we've had plenty of different kinds of river we've had amy we've had a shilder um, we've had clara that you know always it's the same kind of this woman appears throughout history and affects the doctor's life. Um, I just felt I, I felt it was a kind of rush job, I have to say, and that the comedy in it was really, really poor. But then the other day, I sat down reluctantly to watch it, and I was uh, it, it stole my heart. I, I could not believe it. it was it was a beautiful and glorious screwball rom com. Um, yeah, it absolutely. echoed that sort of Frank Capra or Howard Hawke sort of um, 1930s, 40s, 50s romantic comedy. I found it beautiful. I found it tender. I thought Alex Kingston and Peter Capaldi, and it's Peter Capaldi who is rescuing anything poor about any of his episodes. I'm noticing he is on fire. He's quickly becoming um, my new very favourite doctor. Uh, but I, I, this 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 story, I, I thought <laughs> you've got a sort of first third, which is a bit silly, a bit a bit a bit uh, rompy. But then it just you've got this wonderful. When is she going to tweak that it's him? When is he going to tell her that it's him? And and it's just this back and forth. It's beautiful. It's sumptuous. It looks great. The performances are universally great. I was very cautious of um, Nardole at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even though when the, the the next series proper began, he was instantly brilliant. Um, I, I think in the specials, I was very cautious of him. I thought the stuff with the chopping off of the heads when I originally saw it was ridiculous. But now it, it's quite sweet and lovely. Overall, I just thought it was a beautiful, complete, understated, delicious, delightful, um, poignant piece of work. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I've loved it 
you know my opinion of it hasn't changed i loved it when i saw it i love it i still love it now i loved it on my watch there. but the thing is I, I don't know i can't remember if i mentioned this before i absolutely hate rivers river song i don't i, I don't dislike the actress i don't dislike the first story that she was in but the whole point of river song uh, uh, a character ha- who has no jeopardy because she can't die uh, just drags all it, it sucks all of the drama out of it and she's just a series of jokes now um uh, and you know um uh, so how fans- does that work for big finish though i mean <laughs> you, you, all these doctor who stories where you know he can't die i mean well, even the tv I mean, series you know he can't die no no, no I'm, I'm fine with the doctor not dying i'm fine with that but the peripheral characters are there to you know to be in danger and, Isn't she just there for fun, though, for it to be? Yeah, but, but that's you know, she's she's two stories. She's when you when she dies, and when he first meets her, and that's why I love the the husband of Riverside. There's no story in between that is needed to have her in at all because she's a redundant character. There is no jeopardy whatsoever. So that's why I don't like River Song as a character. I love the actress, I love the performance. I even love some of the jokes. But it, you know, there's that one that that's that story where I, I you know, where I wanted to kill my television, the Hitler one, where she um uh, I went out with him for a drink the other day. Hello she, Albert. She, <laughs> <laughs> He's a lovely um, man. He's in it for 2 seconds, isn't he? I love um, Albert. He's great. But, but you know, she, where she where she stops to go and weigh herself. You know, and check out her hips. I just, I just hate all of the, the, the misogyny of the character uh, 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 around the character. I really, I really don't like the way that she was used. I love Silence in the Library. I absolutely adore that story. It's one of my all-time favourites, and I really love the Husbands of River song. But you could take her out of every single story in between because she doesn't need to be there. Anyway, I love the Husbands of River song too. <laughs> Who doesn't? After that bombshell, Paul. I didn't. Oh, go on, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm just talking rubbish. <laughs> you talk it like a native. I'm, I'm doing a different podcast with some other people that I actually like over here. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> oh, that went, that went down well. No, it's the time for our final story, and Paul, it's your final choice. Do you want to yeah, say what another, your final one is then? Yeah, it's, it's another one I was completely wrong about, and for years my friends uh, were telling me that I was wrong and I would stamp my little foot and shake my little fist and say, no, 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 it's not. And I was completely wrong about the censor rights when I came to watch it again last year. And I, although the first episode is not as good as everybody says, you know, the fan received wisdom background radiation is the first episode of Sensor Right is really very good. It's not, it's rubbish. Um, and the last episode is terrible. But the four in between are lovely, really, really good. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And the reason I think my, my, my view on it has changed is because um, our. Uh, our post 2005 who use of the ood who are connected to the censorites as we know has has given a, a whole new slant on looking at the censorites whereas the ood's purpose is to serve the censorites purpose is to preserve and they will only kill as a, a last resort they're like the anti daleks even if they even if they get their door mechanism from the you know same shop um <laughs> it's i i, I, I 
I really enjoyed the middle four episodes. I really enjoyed the talking in rooms, which is something I usually really hate. I like the politics. I like that that Newman was trying to say something about paranoia and politics and, and you know actually say something there's 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 a couple of bits that are not so good you know um I, I agree with Elton that 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 Carol Ann Ford is not the best thing about season one there are a couple of places where she's great um but she's not so she's not so good um in this except that bit in episode three where she she's she has a teenage rebellion and her and she was being told because because all the teenagers are watching that they should do as their elders say because they know best stop this silliness teenage britain um (laughs) i yeah I, i i i really enjoy it now and i hated it i it was one of those ones like marinus which i still hate um, in the context of all Doctor Who is brilliant, and I wouldn't want the keys of Mammoth to be lost, and you know, I'd, I'd still, I'll still watch it again one day, I'm sure. Um, uh, the censor rights I've completely come around on because it's just so well written and it's so well constructed, and the, the middle four episodes are really good. Elton, what's your feelings on the censor rights then? Um, I don't mind it. It's um. <laughs> Do you, do you know what I don't buy? I don't buy that they don't recognise each other, and that really, yeah, yeah, that yeah. really, that really, that's problematic for me. But other than that, but that is a big thing for me to have to get round. Um, I've always enjoyed it. I, I remember reading Nigel Robinson's novel of it, novelisation of it, and I, yeah. I quite enjoyed that. That was before I, get, I actually saw it. But um, yeah, there there are some great moments, um, and I, I, you know. William Russell's in it. Well, you know, mm, yeah. Jacqueline Hill's in it. Uh, I love watching those guys. I love watching um, Hartnell, who, until Capaldi started to blow me away, he was my favourite Doctor. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't really have much to say about it. It's, I've seen it four or five times. Um, I think I, I actually do like the first episode. I find it quite spooky, um, and I really like um, it, it, the character. Is it John? Yeah, the character who's. Um, been so horribly frightened by them um, I find those two characters Janet and John I call them <laughs> feel to me like they've been telegraphed in from some CBeebies program or something but yeah maybe so it's um it's okay it's nice it's got some nice sets it's got some nice set pieces um the, the sensorites do look great they look better in the um Doctor Who monster book when I was nine than they do on the telly yeah. but, uh, yes. and I love the way they tread on each other's feet which is quite cute <laughs> but think, um, actually, yeah it's fine. it's fine I think Sensorites also puts that lie to bed that William Hartnell was putting on the 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 um when he flubs his lines because yeah, it's yeah. Not, he's not putting it on he really he really isn't he really is flubbing his lines because it's all too much for him and the yeah. sensor rights you can you can see in that that he's he's really not coping with it um so i don't believe i don't believe the the fan received wisdom that oh he was it's it's all part of his performance no it wasn't he just was forgetting his lines and everybody else was having to cover for him yeah exactly but 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 in, you know just to just for a bit of parity there, um, Troughton does quite a lot too. Mm. Um, no one ever seems to point that out. He covers it better, I think, doesn't he? I think <laughs> I, th- I think again he's got he's got people who are willing to cooperate with him doing that, and then he meets John Pertwee, and that's just not going to happen, is it? Yeah, no. <laughs> so guys, what have we learned from going through these stories? I mean, the <laughs> obvious thing is 
you know, it's Doctor Who. We love all of it. Some bits we love more than others. But I mean, is the the stories that we've looked at is there a is there a common thread or a common theme about the way our opinions have changed? Maybe is there something about stories that we look for when we first watch them that becomes less important afterwards? Maybe? I, th- I think what I what I've learned really is that that fan received wisdom is rubbish. Um, and I've, I've felt that for, for some years now. But what I've learned from the, the new series post 2005 is your first impression of it probably needs work. Really? <laughs> um, mine I, I, certainly I, does. I think I can build on that a little bit. I, th- I think you're exactly right about the received wisdom. Um, you, you have to find out yourself. Yeah. What it is you like about these stories and what you don't like. Um, I, I, I think it's true for me to say that um i'd watch all of it again yeah i I wouldn't miss anything out um but at the same time i i think it's probably to do with our age it's probably to do with what was available or what is available to us but by and large i think we probably looked at the original run of the series in a Mm -hmm. in a more um and perhaps unknowingly reverent way Um, yeah we knew that we liked this one big thing called Doctor Who and we investigated it. Whereas with the new stuff, we kind of sit down. Um, and and no, this is not because it's new stuff. But we, let's look at it as ongoing stuff. Yeah. But we sit down with the ongoing stuff. And I think I did this with McCoy, I seem to remember. And and you you kind of clench a bit in case they break Doctor Who this week. Yeah, yeah. Are they going to break it? There's no reason why they should keep it the way we like it. Are they going to turn it into something else? And and, and you start to look at perhaps the more um, surface um, information, the performances, mm. um, how it looks, how it feels, what it sounds like, what they're telling you about this, that, and the other, what, you know, and, and then there are continuity cops like me who are sitting there going, oh, no, that contradicts this, that contradicts, you know, nonsense, forget it. I think yeah. the best way I, I, I've, I've begun to watch Doctor Who like this, pretend I've never seen it before, pretend I don't know who any of the characters are, including mm. the Doctor and the Companion, and just watch it as a piece of drama on its own merit. And I, I, think, I, 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 couldn't I, agree, the re- I couldn't agree with you more, Elton, and I, and I think, imagine if we still believed that the gunfighters was rubbish. Oh, my yeah. God. It was, yeah. and, it's, yeah. and then when you get to watch it, you find that it's absolutely magnificent. And, and I think it, that the, the, the new moment stuff one it, to moment hundred, it is brilliant. Absolutely agreed, absolutely done. agree. I, 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 I think understand. that. I, well, that you know, Jeremy Bentham said it was rubbish. Yeah, exactly, and and this is why you've got to find out yourself. And I think yeah. the issue with the new stuff, if there is an issue, is that we 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 come to it as Jr. said at the top of the podcast with expectations. Mm. Um, we we've invested in it before we've even seen it, and so we kind of it can make us go, wow, that was amazing. But sometimes it can make us go, well, I'm not really exactly sure if I like that or not. And I think it's giving it a little bit of time, not necessarily the next day or the week mm. after, but a little bit of time, say for the DVDs to come out or the Blu-ray yeah. or whatever. Then you sit down again, you go, oh, I know where this was all going now. I, You know, what I thought was going to happen in episode 13 didn't happen. This is what happened. I know where this is going now. I'm enjoying Absolutely. it more because I can see what they're laying down. It's making more sense. I, th- I, I, th- think, I think it's a rewatch that does it. Yeah. I, th- I think Doctor Who as a format is unbreakable. So I don't I don't think they can break it that way. And I think what what we need to do as fans is 
really get front and centre in our heads that nobody makes something to be rubbish on purpose. Yeah, nobody so sets out to upset to or annoy us. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's why I don't care about continuity and I don't care that Chibnall is taking over. I don't care that there's a female Doctor. I think it's going to be brilliant because Doctor Who is basically brilliant and it has been for 50-odd years and it won't stop being brilliant. It, it just won't. It's unbreakable. And on that Disney. <laughs> Disney. On that That's my note, that Disney. <laughs> it's unbreakable. I think on that note we should call it a day. Um <clears throat> we will be back next week to talk about the animations in more detail. But uh, <laughs> I'll be back with the regular crew next week to talk about the God Complex. But until then, I I was JR. I was Elton, and I love the God Complex. <laughs> Good. Uh, I was Elton Town and Jones, and I used to hate the God Complex, but now I don't <laughs> mind it. Actually. And I've been Matt Barber. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for coming along, and we will. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for uh, listening to us because um, nobody else does. So you're cheers. very kind. You're very kind. <laughs> you made it. You made a happy man very old. <laughs> we will speak again soon So I, I was dis- I was discussing this with somebody just a few minutes ago, and I said uh, that I was doing this thing with Elton, and that we've become a bit of a double act. And she called us the Chuckle Brothers. So, um, <laughs> that so I'm never talking to her again. What do you mean? With that kind of insight, she should be top of your friends list. <laughs> this to me, to me, uh, to, yeah. to me. Yeah. Can so, I just check? Yeah. Can you hear me well? Yes. I felt like I was uh, raising my voice a bit last time. Oh, really? Oh, that's. Yeah. I think that's one of the things just about Skype. I do it. I'm doing it now. <laughs> I don't. I don't talk I feel about. Like I'm shouting at you. Yeah, yeah. I I find that's just a psychological thing. I do it with Skype. I can't help it. And every yeah, time I, I listen back, just... yeah, if I listen to back to one we've done on Skype, I sound completely different from when we're sitting in the room doing it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I thought uh... you were just a shouty man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm quite soft-spoken, really. It's I'm just quite really. Husky. Yeah, there's just something about Skype where you feel like you need to project more. It's odd. A bit like Bonnie Langford in season twenty-four. <laughs> Let's, yeah, again, let's not go there. Um, do, I sound, do I sound okay? Yeah, you both sound you, fine. You sound gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's and the thing is, I've got you two on a separate recording from me, so when I put them together in the edit, I can I can do a certain degree of balancing. So you can do a private edit where you're asking us different questions. Well, I can't balance it quite that well. <laughs>
<laughs> but this bit's so that, funny. That was a level of professionalism that I wasn't expecting, so well <laughs> there's, done. No, there's never any professionalism on this podcast. <laughs> That's why you got us in. Well, yeah, to try and make it more professional. <laughs> you should no, put this make bit it out. This is the best bit. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I'm going to stick this bit on as an Easter egg at the end. <laughs> That's the best bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm just really worried that came out wrong. What I meant was, <laughs> we're as equally unprofessional as you were suggesting the podcast was. Oh, my God, I'm apologising. No. Uh, okay. Hey, we're part to... of the... Actually, I, I do have one more question, JR. Go on. Am I, 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 I know I can't say really naughty swear words, but oh. am, I all right with, am I all right with bloody? Is bloody all right? Is that acceptable? The only two I edit are the F word and the C word. Right. Fantastic. Okay. On the they podcast... say bloody in Doctor Who, though, anyway. Well, yeah. In fact, I rewatched um, The Last Jedi this morning, and I, I'd i missed that the first time around, but Finn says bastard at the end. Yeah, he does. He does. Oh, I'd missed that. Gorgeous film there. I watched oh, it again. Great film. Yeah. I, think, I think we're all in we're all in agreement on that. We're the, we're the only three who seem to be defending it. I know. It's, it's, I think it's, it's the beautiful. best one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I agree. I just can't. I just honestly, it's a honestly don't. Film. Yeah, it's got proper, full-on intertwining story development and character development and themes and all sorts of things that you don't really expect to see in Star Wars. Yeah. Beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah, I just it just beggars my belief every time I see somebody moaning about it. It just really. It's good. I've, I've got this. I've got this feeling about Doctor Who fans and science fiction fans in general. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible generalization. They hate to be um, uh, using, you know, see anything that raises emotions in them. They 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 seem to be people who push emotions away, and you know they, they hate it in Doctor Who. They hate it. Yeah. In Star Wars, they don't want emotions that are complex. No, no, exactly. Well, this is why there's such a... Um, well, Hellbent is such a Marmite episode as well. Because those yeah. of us who like the emotional side of it, that, to me, was one of the most emotionally fulfilling yeah. episodes there's ever been. Which one is that? Is that the Oubliette one? Is it's that... the very last one in the no, series. The very last one. The yeah. one that Gallifrey one. I've recently just done those three in a in a trilogy because um, I'm still doing my catch up on the Moffat business but right, um, yeah. I found that at the time <laughs> very quickly I really loved the middle one but I didn't like the two right on either side but now my god what a masterpiece that is as a trilogy yes. absolutely beautiful yeah. I would have brought it into today's discussion because clearly I didn't like it very much on transmission but um, I, I, I don't feel authoritative enough to talk about it at any great length but emotionally i was blown away by that i thought it was fantastic yes. God, i have to be authoritative oh christ oh, <laughs> no, I'm you then. we don't normally have that in the podcast so it's not any part of today's requirements okay